0: To the Sermon Webcast of Good News Lutheran Church of Mount Horeb, Wisconsin. The following sermon was preached on November 15th, 2015, on the basis of Daniel 7, verses 9 through 14. Do you ever wish that you could know what your future holds? Let me put it this way: if there could be one single picture that you could close your eyes and see that would give you encouragement that would really pick you up when you are down, that would really give you hope for the future, what would that picture look like? Kids, maybe all you need to do is picture yourselves a couple of weeks from now swimming in that sea of torn up wrapping paper, getting ready to play with all of those toys and those games that you got for Christmas. Adults, maybe you picture your family years down the road, you picture those kids grown up, Having gotten a good education, a good job, a beautiful family, a nice home, hopefully not in prison, right? Maybe you picture a very relaxing retirement for yourself, the day when you don't have to work anymore, when the mortgage is paid off, when the kids are all the way through college and the weddings are paid for and there's no more stressful bills hanging over your heads. Maybe all you need to do is picture every single terrorist in the world, including those who caused the attacks in Paris, this past weekend, safely behind bars. We could all come up with a picture, right? But do you think that picture actually exists? In other words, as you think about the future, are you hopeful? Are you optimistic? Do you think that things are looking up? Do you think that brighter days are ahead? Well, I don't know about you, but the more I see go on in this world and The older I get, the easier it is to become jaded, cynical, a little bit pessimistic about the future. Would you agree with that? I think that's exactly how Daniel probably felt. Last week, you might remember hearing that that when he was just a young man, when he was probably a teenager, Daniel was hauled away from his home in Israel to captivity in the foreign nation of Babylon. And when that happened, I'm guessing that Daniel still found reason to be optimistic, that things were going to turn around, that God was going to rescue him. But now 40 years had passed. Daniel is probably in his mid 60s. And guess what? Babylon is still in power, and Daniel is still held captive in Babylon. Nothing has changed. Do you think there might have been a time or two where Daniel might have lost a little bit of hope in the future? Thankfully, there's that that old saying that we might not know what the future holds, but we know who holds the future. Have you heard that one before? That's exactly what Daniel sees in the verses that are in front of us today. Daniel lies down for sleep at night, and God gives him this vision, a vision about the future. And that vision is not so much about things that happen in the future. It's about who's in control of the future, who is in power. And so as we look at three different sections of that vision, that's the question that I want you to ask this morning. Not so much, what does your future hold, but who do you want holding your future? In the first part of the vision, it actually comes prior to the verses that are in front of us. Daniel sees that the future is in the control of two earthly institutions, civil government and organized religion. Now, it's important to point out that those are two good institutions that are given very good power, good control in our lives by a very good God for very good reasons. But those institutions are full of sinful people and as a result, very often find a way to use the control that God gives them for selfish purposes. That's why, as Daniel sees the four world powers that would rise to prominence next, Babylon, Persia, Greece, and then Rome, he sees them all as violent, ferocious beasts. Even though each one of them would serve an important purpose in God's plan of salvation, each one of them would also use their power for evil, to wage war against God and against his people, and so they are pictured as these violent beasts. You can go home and read the opening verses of Daniel chapter 7. In contrast, organized religion is pictured as a horn, a horn that grows up out of the head of the very last beast that Daniel sees. Now, in ancient times, horns were used almost the way that megaphones are. You put a horn up to your mouth and it amplifies your voice. It allows people to hear what you are saying. But instead of organized religion, instead of the church, using that amplification, that voice, to make the truth about God known, we're told that this horn is boastful. This horn draws attention to itself rather than to God. So here's sort of the no-brainer question for you for the morning. Do you want those ferocious-looking beasts and that boastful speaking horn in charge of your future? Do you want civil government and organized religion in charge of your future? It's probably real easy to say, no, we can move on to the next part of the vision now. But... May I suggest that at times, functionally speaking, practically speaking, our answer to that question is actually yes. And here's what I mean. Why is it that at times we get so angry with our government? When leaders disappoint us, and they always will, whether it's who's in the White House now or who gets elected in 2016, they will always disappoint us. Why is it that we get so So angry. Why is it that criticizing our government has almost become a national pastime? Why when organized religion lets us down? Maybe when the church seems to be full of bickering or when a church seems to be full of hypocrites or when the pastor doesn't possess a whole lot of preaching skills or even less personality. Why is it that some people become convinced that they no longer have any need for religion at all? might I suggest that it's actually because we are giving those two institutions too much control. We are allowing them to have too much power, too much influence in our lives. We are making too high of expectations toward them. You see, here's the the balanced road that the Bible leads us on. Civil government and organized religion are very good gifts, very good blessings from God, through which he gives us tremendous, tremendous blessings in our lives. We need those institutions. At the same time, it shouldn't surprise us one bit when they let us down. In fact, you've maybe heard that expression that was first made by historian John Acton back in the 19th century. He said, Power tends to corrupt, and absolute power corrupts absolutely. Have you heard that one? That's exactly what Daniel sees in this vision, and that's exactly what experience teaches us to be true. That even though government and religion are good gifts from God, in the hands of sinful man, absolute power will corrupt absolutely. And so while on the one hand we need and we benefit from those institutions, do you really want them? in complete control of your future. It's a good thing that they aren't, right? And now we can move on to the next part of the vision. The next thing that Daniel saw that actually provides the answer to that question that you originally assumed would be the case. Who is in control of our future? Well, God is, of course, right? And so that's exactly what Daniel sees next. He sees God. There, God is dressed head to toe in white, white as snow, and his hair is as white as wool. God is pure. God is holy. This pure and holy God is sitting on a throne, a seat of power, a seat of authority. And not only is that throne made of fire, notice that there is actually a river of fire flowing out from his throne. So not only is God pure, God purifies. Not only is God holy, God demands Holiness. Not only is God just, but God will pour out the flowing fire of his judgment on anyone who fails to live up to his expectations. How does he decide? He opens up his books. He has a record of everything that has happened in the world and everything that has happened in our lives. As God carries out his righteous judgment, nothing escapes his notice. Let me ask, do you want your future in God's hands? We say that all the time, don't we? We say that that God is in control, and maybe even when things seem out of control, we sort of picture God up there in heaven, holding us all, holding the world safely in the palm of his hand. But I would bet that when you picture God up in heaven, in control of all things, you don't picture him like Daniel saw him. Do you want a God like this to be holding your future? You know, in the 19th century, someone else also made another observation about power that was a little bit different from the one that John Acton made. This one was actually Abraham Lincoln. And he said, if you really want to test the character of a man, simply give him some power. In other words, power doesn't corrupt. Power doesn't change you. Power simply reveals who you are and what you are really like. So if experience has taught us that there are a lot of corrupt people in power, it's not because power has made them corrupt. It's just that power has shown them for what they truly are. In fact, come to think of it, as we think about those books that God possesses, that he will one day open... Can you think back to times in your lives where you have been the one in power, even if that power has been in a very small measure? Were you a benevolent ruler, or did the beast inside sort of come out? I don't know about you, but there are so many things in life that are out of our control that when finally something is within our control, boy, it sure is easy for that raging beast inside of us to rear its ugly head. If you want to test a man's character, Lincoln said, simply give him some power. As a result, it shouldn't surprise us one bit that as Daniel sees God in all of his power, he sees him like this. Pure and purifying. Holy and demanding holiness. Just and carrying out his righteous judgment on anyone who doesn't live up. Does it encourage you to picture God like this? Does it put a smile on your face to think of him opening up that book and reading the chapter that tells the entire story of your life? If power really reveals who someone is, then yes, in the hands of sinful man, power corrupts. And as a result, in the hands of our holy God, power condemns. Do you really want God in control of your future? So it's a good thing he isn't. Does that sound strange to you, to say that God isn't in control? Usually we say that God is in control, right? And I'm not going to argue with that. I'm not going to say that it's not true. It's simply that the Bible actually gives us a more precise and a much more comforting answer. After this vision of God sitting on his throne, Daniel sees one more thing. He sees a new character enter the picture, one that he describes as a son of man, one of us, a member of our race, someone who is like us in every way, except, did you notice, how he is able, he is worthy to go right up to that fiery throne of God and not be consumed by God's righteous judgment. In fact, as Daniel sees, the one who is sitting on the throne actually hands over. All power, all authority, rule over everything for all eternity to this Son of Man. Can you figure out who that mystery character is? Daniel sees a vision of our Savior, Jesus Christ. In fact, did you know that when Jesus describes himself, when he uses a title to describe himself, the title that he uses more often than any other is Son of Man. Is God in control? Well, well, sure he is. But more specifically, the Bible tells us that God the Father, that holy, righteous judge sitting on his throne, has actually transferred and handed over all control, including the authority to determine our eternity to Jesus Christ, the Son of Man. So here's sort of the all-important question for us this morning. If Jesus really has that kind of authority, how will he use it? Remember again that power shows someone to be who they truly are. If Jesus has all of that power, how will he use it? Boy, it sure would be nice if we had some way of knowing what Jesus is really like, huh? It sure would be nice if we had some sort of track record, some sort of indisputable evidence that would show us just what he is like and just what he thinks of us. Like, I don't know, maybe if he was willing to give up all of the majesty of heaven and come down to earth and live the lowliest of lives here. Like, I don't know, maybe if he was willing to make himself subject to all of the devil's nagging temptations and all of the world's ridicule and scorn. Like, I don't know, if he was willing to place his hands place himself, place his life right into the hands of the most corrupt government and most corrupt organized religion. Like if he was willing to let them press thorns into his brow and drive spikes through his hands and his feet. Like if he was willing to shed his blood on that cross so that every single thing that it said about you and me in those books would be wiped clean forever. Oh wait, that's exactly what he did. I think you and I have pretty good evidence for how Jesus will use his control of the universe. He'll use it for us. I think we have pretty good evidence on what basis he is going to determine our eternity. He is going to judge it on the basis of the payment that he suffered so intensely to make. If power really shows someone for who they truly are, then, friends, nothing can be more comforting than picturing Jesus in control of absolutely everything. The one who proved to us beyond all doubt that he loves us unconditionally. And, friends, if that's our picture, does any other picture really matter? What if we never get that relaxing retirement? What if we have to work until we can't work anymore, and what if we die without a nickel to our name? What if that picture of our future family is all ripped up by discord and strife? What if those sins that we vow today that we will never commit again, we fall into again tomorrow? What if all of the world's violence and all of the world's terrorism finally reaches our doorstep? Friends, I don't know what the future holds, but I do know who holds the future. It's Jesus Christ, our brother and our Savior. In the hands of the Son of Man, absolute power comforts absolutely. So when you think about your future, make sure you picture that. Amen. (laughs) For more information about Good News Lutheran Church, visit www.goodnewslc.org.